A reading from the book of 1 John. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone has been born, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Paul. If you're a visitor here, I'm the senior pastor. It is a joy to worship with you today. We've been making our way through the book of 1 John this summer, and uh, I have the, the privilege of opening up chapter 5, but before we do so, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of my message is Love and Courage, and I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever almost died by rat in New York City? Have you ever almost died by rat in New York City? On July 24th of this year, this summer, I surprised my wife with a last-minute trip to New York City. The city has always been a special place for us. We lived in that area for a number of years, and through different life decisions, we often would prayer walk those streets. And so when our kids all went to the one student's camp together, I took the opportunity to fly us north. Now, let me stop and share that we didn't go on this trip without some trepidation. Given all the craziness of COVID-19 and its ripple effects, uh, we went with eyes wide open. We've watched the news like you guys, and as we flew, we wondered, might there be violence? Might there be riots? Or might we just have an incredible time together? We didn't know, but we went. And so on that first night in New York, We decided to play it safe and get our bearings, okay? So we ate at this Indian restaurant in New York City, in Midtown, and uh, we arrived at night, so we decided just to walk the, the outskirts of Central Park. We thought this was a good decision, and so we're walking along uh, the southern uh, edge of Central Park, 59th Street, and what happens? We hear music. We hear, Frank, we hear really good, loud music, and it's coming from the middle of Central Park. And now for those who've never been to New York City or Central Park, New York City has this incredible park. It's 843 acres right in the heart of Manhattan that has rolling hills, believe it or not, there's a picture of it, rolling hills, rock outcroppings, and uh, several lakes. And so if you ever go, make sure you visit Central Park. 
So we are walking in the dark, we hear the music, and we stop, and one of us, I remember one of us asking, could Billy Joel be playing a free concert tonight in Central Park? Seriously, one of us did ask that. Crazier things have happened, right? And so what do we decide to do? We decide to leave the safety of the well-lit 59th Street sidewalk and turn left and walk into the dark into the dark of Central Park. Now, here's where the story gets lively. What's the first thing we see that first night in Central Park? Rats. At first, I thought they were squirrels because they were so huge. And that first one ran right up to me wanting something to eat. But then we saw a few more and we saw their tails and it was kind of gross and we knew our eyes weren't playing tricks on us. And I remember turning to Carly in that moment and saying, stick with me, babe, it's going to be okay. (laughs) And now being the student of law and order as well, I was thinking in that moment, surely there's greater danger to be concerned with. So we kept walking down this dark trail in the park at night, my head on a swivel, uh, me looking for anything and anyone who might cause us harm. And I noticed two things. First, I noticed a group of men in the dark, out of the blue, standing on a boulder right on top of us, most of them with their shirts off because of the sweltering summer heat. That was unusual. And the second thing I noticed um, was as I turned to see my wife's response, she was not there. That's right, she was no longer with me. And turning, I saw that she had actually frozen several feet back. Why? Well, I asked her this week as I was preparing this message, why why did you freeze? And she said, well, the rats. I didn't want to be attacked by the rats. Now, these, these dudes, they weren't like 20, 30 feet away. They were like right on top of us, just looking down at me and looking as I turned. And that's the predicament we were in, in the darkness in Central Park that first night. You see, Carly was fixated on a real but small problem, the rats, unaware of the potential much larger problem, the five dudes that could jump us. So what did I do? Well, I turned and I walked quickly back to Carly, grabbed her hand and said quietly, we have to go and you have to trust me. Stay close and don't look back. And that's what we did. Thankfully, we made it off of that dark trail with no rat bites and no mugging that night. Praise be to the Lord. And thankfully, we made it back to Charleston after what was a a wonderful trip. And oh, by the way, that music, what was the music? Well, it was the disco-themed roller skating rink in the heart of Central Park that they've now opened for all of us to enjoy. So go go do it. Check it out. Why do I begin with this story? Well, First, uh, listen, don't ever follow me down a dark path in a foreign city or an unknown city. Don't do it. Yates, don't do it. Now, I share this because the more I've thought about it in this experience with Carly, the more I realize that the instructions we're often given in life are not meant to restrict us, but protect us. Guidance, especially that which is shared by someone who loves us, is not meant to take life, but actually foster it. Hope you see that. Such was true with Carly and me that first night in New York where I went back to her and grabbed her hand and said, follow me. 
And such is true with God and us in a more powerful and permanent manner. See, Casey, God loves us. God loves you. And he cares about you and he cares about me. And today in our passage, we'll see that he wants you and me to know this love and to live in this love securely all of our days. And this leads us to our big idea, our big takeaway from 1 John chapter 5 today. As the children of God, we are not only called to great love, we're called to great courage in Jesus. As the children of God, we're not only called to great love, we're called to great courage in Jesus. So let's unpack this over the next few minutes. Point one, know you are a child of God. Our passage begins, verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, we read. Okay, another story. When Carly first went into labor with our oldest child in 2006, I was about two hours away by car. At the time, Carly was teaching at a middle school in Polk County, Florida. Any from Polk County? Any? Believe it or not, someone raised their hand. It's a real place. In the first service, they raised their hand. <laughs> Rob. Caden, thank you. I got a witness. So Carly was teaching in Haines City, Florida. I was doing grad school in Oviedo, Florida at the time. Now, given how committed Carly was to teaching and how new we were to this whole birthing experience, when Carly started uh, having contractions, she ignored them. <laughs> she told me this week she thought she would have 24 hours to give birth. Thus, she told nobody that she was going, I know, Mandy. You're like, what is she thinking? Heather was sitting on the front row going, what was she thinking? She didn't tell anybody. She just kept teaching. Now, however, to Carly's surprise, it's not always a 24-hour thing, right? In a very short amount of time, her contractions got closer and closer together and stronger and stronger until finally, when they were only four to five minutes apart, she called a friend. She phoned a friend and said, can you take me to the hospital? Oh, and that's when she decided to call me. Uh, that's my girl. Well, thankfully, after driving like a madman with my blinkers on down I-4 and Highway 27, I made it just in time to welcome Caden Thomas Sorensen into the world. Amen. And as a side note, today for Caden and I believe for Rachel and some others here, it's their last day with us before they launch back to college or launch to college for the first time. So feel free to hug them and pray for these guys. So anyway, it was an exciting and beautiful day. I share this all to highlight a simple yet profound truth. Once Caden was born, ready for it? He was born. He could not be unborn. He was here to stay. And this little guy wasn't just any child. He was my child. And to this day, there's nothing I would not do to care for, provide for, or protect Caden Thomas Sorensen. He's my son, and he's part of my family. And guess what? So it is with all who believe in Jesus. We read in verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ 
has been born of God. Do you see that? Do you know what that means? Has been born of God. Later, a couple verses later, it says everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. Do you understand what that's saying? To borrow from theologian David Allen, just as we're physically born and such cannot be undone, so we're spiritually born and such cannot be undone. In other words, once we're spiritually born, Kenneth, we're part of the family. We're part of God's family. And guess what? That's a really big deal. First, it means God has had his eye on you long before you have ever had your eye on him. You're the object of a heavenly affection, friends. You did not set this thing in motion. God did. And note that our passage doesn't say you were born from hard work, great wealth, amazing looks, or a bright mind by your own doing. No, you were born of God, and it's all by grace. And this should make us oh so humble and grateful. Second, our passage adds another wrinkle in verse one that's worth noting. This is for the English majors, nerds in the room. There's a combination of the present tense and the perfect tense, which says we're told that our ongoing belief actually froze from being God's child. Everyone who believes continues to believe that Jesus is the Christ has been born. In other words, we don't believe and then become God's child. We are born God's child, and this leads to belief. Now, this might be too granular for some of you, but I love it. Again, it shows that God is the one who first acted and intentionally started saturating us with his love until finally one day we woke up to it. Let me ask, have you ever woke up or been wrecked by the love of God? Where you finally understand, Jennifer, that God loves you We finally understand Jesus' sacrifice for you. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Charles Wesley wrote. You see, friends, believing and belonging are both acts of God's grace. His unmerited, undeserved kindness and favor towards you and me. And one more thing before I move to point two. While it's not explicitly mentioned here, it's definitely implied. Listen, once you're God's kid, Dylan, you're always God's kid. Once you're God's kid, you're always God's kid. No matter what the world throws at you, no matter how far you stray, no matter what others say, God will always come for you. I'll share more about this in just a minute. But in Jesus, you're fully secure, Jonathan, as God's kid. Point one, Rachel, Caden, others, especially as you go to college, know you are a child of God, and that changes everything. Point two, live with great love. Our passage continues. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever's been born of him. And by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Five times. Five times in the first five verses of this chapter, we read the word love. It is the central part 
of our passage. So what is John saying here to us? He's telling us that as God's kids, we're not only called by love, we're called to love. In other words, Shannon, we're called to community. We're called to participate in and build up one another as God's family. When Carly returned from spending 12 days this summer in the bush of Kenya, do you know the first thing she shared with me? Yes, she shared how they never received their bags. Yes, she shared that they had lived off the grid. Yes, she shared about Leslie's laugh and Kim Shermershine's kindness. And yes, she shared how crazy hot it was. But do you know the first deeper thing she shared with me about their mission? She shared how her view of the church had expanded to a global scale. She shared how she'd met multiple men and women, boys and girls, even college students, who immediately felt like family because they shared the love of Jesus. Like Carly, they knew their need. Like Carly, they knew their longing. Like Carly, they'd been introduced to Jesus. And like Carly, they'd been wrecked by his love. You see, when you become a child of God and believe, you find a joy you've never felt before, and you find, you find a family you didn't know you had before. You've never met before. So listen, look around. Seriously, turn to your left or right. One fellowship, you belong to the family of God. If you want to see this on a global scale, join Leslie and Leah, maybe some of these dudes that she called out, <laughs> and go to Kenya maybe next year. You'll see it on a global stage. You'll find family. God says with this, love one another. And interestingly, how does he say we're to do it? He says, obey God's word, obey God's commandments. Now, if you're like me, a bit of a rebel at first blush, you might read these two verses and say, really, God, you want to introduce the rules right now? It's about rules. But guess what? If you dig just a little bit deeper in our book here and throughout the whole Bible, it's really not a call to rules. It's a call to relationship, redemptive relationship. If you doubt me, just listen to these words by someone named Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We read in Matthew 22, boom, Didi, it's all about what? Love. You're called by love and you're called to love. And we discover the beauty of this love in the context of community. And we discover the nature of this love through the dynamism of God's word. Point two, live with great love. And point three, our last point, live with great courage. The passage concludes, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? In the book, Humilitas, A Lost Key to Life, Love, and Leadership, the story is told of three young men who hopped on a bus in Detroit in the 1930s. And they began bullying a gentleman in the back of the bus. 
They taunted him again and again. They insulted him, trying to pick a fight, and yet he did not respond. Finally, after several minutes of this behavior, the man stood up, and he was huge, appearing much bigger than they had anticipated. And this gentleman then made his way to the front of the bus, but before exiting the bus, he stopped, turned to these would-be assailants, and pulled out his business card and gave it to them. Then this gentleman stepped off the bus and the bus went on. And as the bus drove away, the young men gathered around to read what this card said. And it read, Joe Lewis, boxer. (laughs) These young fellas had just tried to pick a fight with the man who had become the heavyweight boxing champion of the world from 1937 to 1949, and arguably the greatest fighter ever. In the words of one theologian, Satan's a bully. Satan's a bully, but guess what? He's no match for Jesus. Jesus has defeated sin. Jesus has defeated death, and Jesus has defeated Satan himself. And guess what that means? You're totally secure in him. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, In all things, Colin, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, will be able to separate you no matter what you're going through from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, that's a game-changing truth, amen? Listen, friends, whatever you're facing in life or will face in life, as God's child, know this. God's power is bigger than your problem. God's power is bigger than your problem. That broken relationship, you can overcome it. That addiction, you can overcome it. That abuse, you can heal from it and overcome it. That loss you're struggling with, you can overcome it. That haunting pain that you're living with, you can overcome it. When you're God's child, you're always God's child. And when you face problems, listen, they're God's problems too. He loves you. Cat, as you go back to college, he loves you. And know this, nothing can separate you from his love, not even death itself. One fellowship, do you believe this today? Believe it. Point three, live with great courage. So to conclude, now what? How can we maybe apply this message? 
Well, here are some next steps. First, if you're a believer in Jesus, start by giving thanks. Mark, give thanks. Thank God for giving you a new birth, a new life, a new family, and a lasting promise that nothing will be able to separate you from his love as secured in Jesus. Give thanks. Furthermore, as we look to the fall, what is your plan? How will you demonstrate God's love and cultivate it within our family of faith? Or if you're visiting within your family of faith. Here at One Fellowship, will you join a life group? Will you join a study group? Will you be the hands and feet of Christ by joining a mission group? These are significant, fitting questions, practical questions to ask. Make a plan. Moreover, ask yourself, what's my simple yet sustainable plan for reading God's word every day? Several of us go through the Bible in one year, the Bible in one year app together. Join me in doing that. Read God's word with me. Share what you see, what you hear, what you read. Friends, make a plan. And third, listen, if you're wrestling with something tough, something hard, my invitation today is that you approach it with courage in Christ and in the context of our community. By faith, we are told we can and will overcome anything the world tries to throw at us. Three times we're told, overcome, overcome, overcome. There's no guarantee it won't be messy or hard, but as you're open and vulnerable with your struggle, within the context of gospel community, you'll discover the beauty of Christ's love and the beauty of Christ's family. And to this end, listen, during communion in just a minute, we're gonna have some prayer teams in the back of the room. Are you facing something that could use some prayer? Let us come beside you and pray with you. Go for it. Allow us to pray as a family over you. And listen, last but not least, if you're someone who has never, quote unquote, believed, place your trust in Jesus today. Don't miss the opportunity. If you're feeling an urge to say yes, you know what that means? God's calling you home. That's what our scripture is basically saying. Say yes to him today. Just as I went back on that trail, that dark trail, and grabbed my wife's hand, let God come beside you and grab your heart today. No matter what you're wrestling with, let him have your heart and let him guide you out of that place. He loves you. Allison, thanks for being here. He loves you. He loves your family. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you in his family. Let us now pray. Dear God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for calling us to be your kids. What that means, how we have security in you. Would you search our hearts and see any anxious ways in us? Draw those to the surface and may we deal honestly with them. Have your way in us, Lord, today. Help us make a plan to grow and our love for you and love for this family. If any of us, any of you are struggling with brokenness, just know that God's word says he comes close to those who are crushed in spirit, brokenhearted. So God, would you come beside those people right now? And if you're feeling called to believe, and say, yes, I, I believe, just repeat after me quietly, Lord, I believe. 
I come to you with my scars and my sin and it's my life. I ask you to forgive me through the love of your son, Jesus. Give me new life in him. And may I walk in the security of this love all of my days. We pray all this for our good and your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.